This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's Behave with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the All-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Got pup? I'm talking about that supercharged, curious young canine who seems to never run out of energy and who is always getting into mischief. You need help with a capital H. And here with tips and tricks to get your pup off on the right paw is one of the country's top dog trainers. She's also a very successful businesswoman. Please join me in giving pause and applause to the founder of What a Great Dog Training Center, Maureen Potton. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Hi, Arden. Thanks for having me. I love talking about puppies. All right, cool. And hey, listeners, there's a reason why I call that first year you spend with your puppy the wonder year. It's because you'll wonder where your sanity went. But take a breath, exhale. You're in good pause with Maureen. She has lots of awesome tips she's going to share about raising a great pup. But first, we got to pay for the show by taking a commercial break. So you guys know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. For furry ones, actually, sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Hey, pet pals. Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears clean when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zymox ear care products offer soothing relief, and you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's just as easy as fill, rub, and done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zymox, at Z-Y-M-O-X, gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. You'll find these veterinary-recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. To learn more, go to Zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X. Pause up. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm delighted to welcome to our show the founder and head trainer at What a Great Dog Training Center that is based in Frisco and Richardson, Texas. Yep, around the Dallas area. Maureen Potton knows dogs. She also knows how to help us two-leggers bring out the best in our canine pals. Before we get started, I got to brag a little bit on her. Maureen left corporate America about 13 years ago and never looked back. Today, she oversees dozens of classes and events, 
each week at her two locations for What a Great Dog Training Center. The focus is all about using positive, reward-based training methods to not only bring out the best in dogs and pups, but us humans as well. Maureen knows dog, really, really knows dog. But for this special episode, she's going to focus on sharing life hacks for raising a great pup. Because I'm betting many of you right now adopted pups over the recent holidays and are facing sleepless nights and lots of puppy challenges. So, hey, Maureen, let's get started. Let's start first. What motivated you to give up a long, steady career with Pepsi to create What a Great Dog? Yes, I've had a long history of being a dog enthusiast. Um, I had done a lot of training in competitive obedience and had really enjoyed it. Also had a horsey background with training and showing horses as well and was ready to really pursue my passion. So it was just over 13 years ago that I left the corporate world and became a full-time professional trainer. And I truly haven't looked back. It's been wonderful. I hope you still drink Pepsi. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's uh, it sounds like it's also a, a very much a family affair. And pardon me if I miss somebody, but you got your husband, Harold, your sister, Kenna Sloan. I think your son, Mitch, helped a little bit. There's others. but he did. Yes, let's, yes. let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the uh, the family affair to create What a Great Dog. Yes, there definitely is a family element to it. My husband, Harold, has played a big part in helping out with the real estate and facility components. And then my sister, Kenna, has been with me from almost the very beginning. She handles um, the businessy side of things. Mm -hmm. My son, Mitch, especially in the early days, was very helpful on the um, technical side with the website and getting us up and going on our system. So that was really important. Now in our recent years, taking on a partner, Sharon Lacaz, um, she's a partner in the business and she helps run the operational elements of the business, lets me do more head trainer, more curriculum kinds of things. So it works out really well. Well, I think part of it is your training, too. You you know that it takes a village to raise a good pup, right? Yes, absolutely, we do. And I'm so proud of my training team. We have 20 trainers on our staff. Wow. And we all make it a point to stay very up-to-date on the latest techniques, the latest research in positive training. We do over 200 group classes every week and see 4,000 new dogs every year. So my wow. team is able to take that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of puppies. And we're able to take that research and the newest ideas and training and really get together and figure out what's pragmatic, what works for our families and are constantly adapting and evolving our curriculum. Well, I mean, I love it. And I got to share a shout out to everybody. I have to give a big uh, uh, pause and applause to What a Great Dog because back in 2016, I adopted Kona from a shelter in California and I'm, I'm now living in the Dallas area. And I adopted her April 18th, 2016, folks. She's about a year plus at the time. Very, very clingy, Velcro, but smart and sweet. And within two weeks of adopting her, I enrolled in one of your first classes, Basic Obedience, at your Frisco location. And Kona went on to do two more classes in obedience, then did her canine Good Citizen. And I just want to give a big shout out to you guys because you helped us, Kona and myself, have a good foundation. So Kona is a great dog. So, um, <laughs> yes, she is. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, I mean, people can get, you know, we can talk about all kinds of things about dogs and pups, but one of the things that really appeals to me is your special love for puppies and people get a puppy and they're like, oh no, what do I do now? So talk a little bit about the overview of the new puppy seminar and, and, and we'll get into more details about it, but a new puppy seminar, that sounds like a must if you're going to adopt a pup. 
it's been really popular with our clients and I think really helpful. People do get puppies and it can be really overwhelming. And the way that we handle those puppies, manage them, bond with them over those first several weeks we have them really lays the foundation for the entire relationship you're going to have with that dog. So it's just incredibly important to me that we help people get started off on the right foot with their new puppies. So we do a seminar that we like to kick things off where people come without their dogs and we spend a couple hours really going through the things that are most critical to get right in those early weeks and months that you have your pup. And I love the key word, uh, pups stay home. Because, you know, they're so darn cute and wouldn't they be very distractive <laughs> trying for you trying to teach the, yes. the two-leggers? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Of course, we've got a puppy preschool and, you know, so many training centers, positive training centers do a great job with having those puppy kindergarten and puppy preschool classes, which are essential. But I love having this time with puppy owners when they don't have their puppies with them, distracting them as well. So I think both elements are really important. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, one of the parts that you give, it's a two-hour talk, you say? Yes. Okay, so one of them is called Life Hacks for Raising a Great Pup. Can you share a few? Yes, yes. So one of the things that I'd like to start with is really the understanding that it's only reasonable to expect puppies to do puppy things. Dogs do doggy (laughs) things, right? And I think sometimes we get a a pup and we kind of forget that piece. And especially as babies, uh, we can't expect anything other than them doing what dogs do naturally. So it's things like chewing digging, certainly puppy biting. Bursts of crazy energy are going to be typical for puppies when you bring them into your house. (laughs) One of the things I like to really emphasize for folks is that the main thing about raising a puppy, our job is to help create the right habits, all about creating the right habits. And I like to say that, you know, people are creatures of habit, but I believe dogs are creatures of habit even more so. And so our job is to manage the environment in a way that we create the habits that are going to help that pup be a really integral part of our lives and really to form the behaviors that are going to make him be a full-fledged member of the family. Okay. So when you do that, give me a specific example. So you've got a puppy that's really into uh, nipping on the hand and, you know, and it's natural because they're teething, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think puppy biting is one of those puppy behaviors that's very frustrating for families. And I think it's one of the behaviors that we can really get on the wrong side of a relationship with our puppy. I've been training a long time, just over 13 years as a full-time professional, but I've been a dog enthusiast for over 30 years. And certainly in the old days, we physically punished, verbally punished for puppy biting. And we know so much more now, right? There's so much, you know, for the first time really in history, we have major universities funding studies on the efficacy and the long-term effects of various training techniques. That just wasn't the case in the past. So we saw in the past that punishing for puppy biting would make the puppy biting decrease. So we felt like that was a win. Well, what we know now is it can set us up for problems later on. And it's a very natural behavior, and there's just other ways to deal with it. It's important to understand it's a natural behavior. The puppy's going to outgrow it. So a couple of the key ways that I like to help us really get through that development phase yeah. The first one is making sure that we're giving the puppy so many outlets for chewing. So some good examples of the kinds of items we can give the pup that are going to really get him hooked on chewing things that he should be chewing rather than should not. One of my favorites are bully sticks. This is something that's highly palatable to dogs and puppies, and they're going to be really inclined to get very busy with chewing it. I also really like a product called Benabone. The shape of it is such that when the pup puts his paw down on it, the other end kind of pops up and just asks <laughs> to be chewed on. Okay. And I really find that keeps them, you know, very involved. I've seen a lot of chew toys that it looks like it's almost like picking a dime up off a floor, that it's that difficult for them to get it up. So I like for it to be a chew toy. It's just really easy to chew on and really enticing. So Good. having those available at all times, I think is really important. 
And what do you do if the puppy nips your hand? What's the right way to so, get him at the back or the right path? So in the moment, what I really want to do is redirect him to another toy. Okay. So if I'm interacting with a pup, I pretty much want to have a toy on my body at all times. And I think <laughs> about the way puppies play yeah. with each other, right? It's all jaws and teeth and mouth. And so when I'm going to be having my hands on the puppy, when I'm going to be playing with him, he's going to be using his mouth and we've got to give him something appropriate to put his mouth on. Okay. I find if you can have a small toy, especially if it squeaks. Um, I love having little kind of furry squeaky toys seem to be pretty irresistible. And so I'm going to really offer that up. And I've got a good tip for you that you may not have heard before. Okay. So people tell me that they've often heard the recommendation to redirect the puppy to a toy when he's puppy biting. But what right. families will often tell me is, yeah, the pup will look at the toy. Then he says, no, I think I'd rather bite you. You're more fun. <laughs> right? Right. And so, so here's my tip for you. You got to make sure that you make that toy the bunny. So our puppies do have that instinct of a prey drive. And so if that furry little squeaky toy squeaks and then moves away from the puppy, maybe even hopping away, it's going to become the bunny and it's going to be much more interesting. So that's my favorite tip for getting that pup to redirect to the toy. I like and I that. You're gonna, yeah, you'll have a much more pleasant interaction at that point. So here I am. I'm just picturing you on a sofa, Maureen, with a puppy and you've got a couple little squeaky toys are they Velcroed down your arms or something? <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely always within arm's reach. They're stashed in a pocket or they're somewhere close. You're probably going to want several of these kind of scattered about the house so that you're always ready. So I really think it's the two components on puppy biting. The first one is let's manage this puppy in a way that really helps minimize his need to puppy bite. Mm-hmm. So that re- is really where the chewing comes into play and making sure he's got plenty of chew items. And then I'm going to make sure that when he puppy bites in the moment that re- I react appropriately with redirecting him to a toy rather than feeling the need to scold him. I would also say that you might find there's just some moments that the puppy's just too excited to interact. You know, a person on the floor is really exciting to a puppy. And so that Mm -hmm. might just be too arousing for your pup in that moment. So maybe you need to stand up. Maybe you need to go for a walk. He's not really in the right frame of mind for you to be on the floor playing with him. You know, much like a human toddler, we need to be ready to be flexible and really understand Uh, their emotions and what they need at any given time. I like that very, very much. So we got the mouth part because that's really important. What about how do you get a good night's sleep when you got a pup? You know, there's a a fairly new technique that's come into play. I think I first heard of it about five years ago, and it's been really helpful for my clients and my staff as we've started doing this. And that is that when that pup first comes home from the breeder, especially to have him crated where he's eye level with a human. It makes such a difference. So not just the crate in the bedroom with you, but that crate very close to a human and at eye level. You know, puppies are instinctually hardwired to stay close to their litter. You know, a wild dog, if a pup were to get separated from the litter, Mm -hmm. he's in danger and he knows it. And he's pretty much pre-programmed to whine and cry and scream essentially until until his litter finds him, until his mother comes and finds him. So I think when we isolate these pups at night, it's no wonder that they bark and cry and are difficult. What we've found is if we get that crate very close to a human, that it really helps with the transition. And then eventually as the pup gets more comfortable, that crate can move you know, to the other side of the room or even a different room of the house. Well, I'm thinking about in our bedroom, we have our bed and then we have this nice, it's a cushiony chest at the foot of the bed, like a long and wide, and we put blankets yes. on it. And so Kona likes to sleep there because she can keep an eye on us. I've heard of new things where you actually do something. So you put the crate on some sturdy structure that's at eye level to you and the bed. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yes. And so what's worked for a lot of folks, um, including myself, when we brought the last puppy into our house is 
to use the nightstand on one side of the bed to clear it off, put a towel or some other cushion on it, and then to put the crate on that. You know, puppies okay. are typically going to fit in a small enough crate that it could fit there. Um, I've had other people bring in the ottoman from the family room and put it beside oh. the bed or even a couple of chairs pushed together. You can be a little bit creative, but I do find that the eye level piece makes a big difference. And you don't nice. necessarily need to do that forever, but just a really nice transition for that puppy that, again, is instinctually programmed to be near his litter, near his people at this point. Wow. That's really, I love that. I think that's a great idea. Hey, everybody, we're talking to Maureen Potton. She is the uh, founder of What a Great Dog Training Center. It's got two locations. They're huge in Richardson and Frisco, Texas. And she is a dog savant. She knows everything about dog. But today we're talking about pups. And we're going to learn more after we take this quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hey, everybody. It's Arden Moore here. You know how every house you go into has a certain smell? I've got a friend whose house always smells like potpourri. I could be blindfolded and know it's her house. But there is one thing your house never needs to smell like, the litter box. And for that, I found Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. It seals and destroys odors on contact for a seven-day odor-free home. Guaranteed. Don't let your house smell like a litter box. Get Arm & Hammer Clump & Seal. Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Hey, pet pals. Arden Moore here to unleash some great health advice. It's time to be down in the mouth for the benefit of your dog and cat. Unleashing good oral care is one of the best ways to show love for your pet. Do you find brushing your pet's teeth challenging? Here is a terrific solution. Treat your dog to Oratine Brushless Oral Care. Oratine makes caring for your pet's oral health super easy. The difference is the enzymes. The advanced enzyme technology in Oratine works to freshen the breath. It eliminates bacteria, fungus, and yeast. Yuck. They also reduce plaque biofilm from accumulating on the teeth. And guess what? None of these products require actual brushing. Woohoo! You can choose from these three products. One, a water additive that gives your pet the benefits of oral care with every lap of water. Two, a breath freshening spray with a gentle mister. Or three, a brushless toothpaste gel you can apply with your finger. If your pet tolerates brushing, hey, you can always brush too. To learn more, visit Zymox.com, Z-Y-M-O-X.com, and look under the oral care product line. Do it today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Dr. Marty Becker, and I'm proud to be part of Arden Moore's O-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to O-Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Maureen Potton is in the house, and she's <laughs> keeping our sanity. Because for all of us, raise your paw. If you've got a pup, either from a breeder, from a shelter, from a rescue group, that little pup is not only growing physically, but mentally as well. And she's here to help you get that dog, that pup on the right path. One thing that's really interesting is you don't just train dog, you train humans. And talk a little bit about the importance, because that that could be a little trickier. (laughs) 
it is. It can be the trickier side of the equation for sure. But there's no doubt it's the human behavior that's going to impact the dog's behavior. So it's essential that while we're doing working to train the dogs, that we make sure that we help the people change their behavior to what it needs to be for their dog to be his best self. So give us a do and don't. And you got to be diplomatic because you're dealing with people. They don't bite, but they can snark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We want to make sure. Well, certainly in our classes or when I'm working with anyone individually, making the information easy to understand and presenting it in a fun way. We really like for people, but the people and the dogs to be enjoying training. We find that that makes all the difference in retaining the information and implementing the ideas. So yes, changing the human behavior is, is certainly important. But I think as people see results, it becomes easier to implement those changes in habit, essentially. And you said the keyword fun. And I'm knowing uh, my background in behavior that your emotional state, even in a pup, is being downloaded, right? So what are some things that people can do to keep learning fun and, and don't let the dog feel that, smell that sense of frustration you may have? Oh, absolutely. It's incredible how much they're able to pick up on our emotions. And especially for a young puppy that's just learning about the world, it's really essential that we're displaying confidence and a positive attitude toward the world at large. My best example on that is I love getting puppies out in the world. You know, socialization is so important with puppies. And socialization isn't just meeting other dogs. As a matter of fact, that's really a small part of what socialization should be. I want to be getting these pups out in the world and having them see the things they're going to see as an adult dog. So meeting strange people, going strange places, hearing sounds, different mm-hmm. smells. I want them to understand essentially that novelty is good. Things that they haven't oh, good. seen yeah. before. That it's nothing to worry about. So as people are out and about with their pups, I think having a really positive attitude ourselves, because you're right, the puppy's going to pick up on that attitude. And I want them to know that there's not anything to be worried about. Should something happen that's a little concerning, maybe a frightening noise or a dog were to run up, I'm going to make sure that I scoop that puppy up, talk to him sweetly, and behave in a confident manner. And he will absolutely mirror that. Yeah, your voice is very important, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So a calming voice is important for a puppy. One thing that, you know, people, I'm betting that all carpet cleaners across America, probably in January and February, are really (laughs) getting a lot of overtime because you bring that puppy home and their little bladders are still developing. So are there some little tips you can give for house training? Yes, absolutely. And one of the key tips is to take it seriously. You know, I work with rescues quite a bit and shelters, Mm -hmm. and I do believe that a lot of dogs find themselves in rescue because people haven't appropriately house trained them. And it can be a challenging behavior to change once a dog reaches adulthood. And so getting it right as a puppy is really the best thing. So my key tip on puppy house training is to understand the fact that it's really all about the habit that forms as it relates to the surface. We've got to get that puppy in the habit of going potty on grass. Okay. And so our job is really all about managing the puppy in a way that he goes potty on grass every time he needs to go. And so smart confinement is really the best answer. So using a crate appropriately. I love tethering a puppy to a person. I often like to say if my only goal with a puppy were house training, he'd be spending (laughs) a whole lot of time in that crate. Obviously, not my only goal at all, right? This is during the critical socialization period. I need to be bonding with him. So while he should spend some time in the crate, he also needs to be spending a lot of time with me. Having that puppy on a light leash, staying close to me, maybe while I'm sitting working on a computer or talking on the phone or watching television can be a great way to have him confined and watching him and getting him out for plenty of potty breaks. So what are the signs that say, "Uh uh-oh, it's time to go, go? (laughs) Well, you know, part of it is watching the clock. 
with these yep. young puppies, I'm not always going to wait for signs. I'm going to notice if it's, if it's an eight to 10 week old puppy that's just come home from the breeder, really every 30 minutes or so, I need to be going out and giving him an opportunity to potty. Wow. As he gets older, we can really stretch that out as he gets older, as the weeks go by. And then I'm certainly going to be on the watch out for any so- early signs that he's thinking about looking for a spot to potty. So certainly sniffing, circling are the classic examples. One that people often miss is if the puppy's playing, running around, if he's physically playing, and then he stops and looks around, he's <laughs> off the body, right? That, oh, yeah. The play gets their little systems going, and they're not able to hold their bladder very long. So you want to really be watching for that. If your pup's having an especially exciting physical play session, maybe go ahead and uh, shuttle him out to that backyard before he has a chance to, to pause and squat on the carpet. And I know, I mean, how do you get it through the night? Because their little bladder is, so you just, how do you tell somebody, if you think you're going to sleep eight hours, peacefully. <laughs> How do you get people to understand it's really worth the sacrifice because you're going to have a oh, great ab- companion for the rest of your life, you know? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I point out is when you compare puppy development and human development, dogs develop at warp speed compared to human development. Good point. So it's going to be some hard work. There's no two ways around it. There's going to be some sleep deprivation involved with bringing a puppy into your house. But the good news is it's very short term. We find that typically... Pups are going to, at about 12 weeks, most puppies are able to sleep for a full night. Wow. So if you're bringing your pup home, you know, at eight or nine weeks, you're usually only going to have two or three weeks of needing to get up in the middle of the night. We do find the smaller breeds, it can last longer than that. Um, Why is that, do you think? You know, their bladders are clearly smaller. You would think that they're smaller proportionate to their body size, but so I don't know. But for whatever reason, <laughs> we do find, you know, especially the toy breeds that tend to be a little harder to house train oh, and tend to not sleep through the night quite as soon. Okay. All right. And I, I, uh, I remember when I had a pup, I, uh, all my neighbors, I would go good potty. <laughs> outside. Yes. And one time I didn't know I was in the side of my house and my neighbor must've been in his bathroom. This is when I lived in California and his window must've been open. And I went good potty to jazz. I had a Corgi and yeah. <laughs> the neighbor went, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> but you pretty do funny. you do need to make a big whoop, right? That they're doing. Yeah, the so right I do thing. like to absolutely. I do like to praise a puppy when he's pottied in the right spot. I'll tell you, there's some fairly recent research that really points to this particular function being mm-hmm. about habituation more than anything. Oh, really? Um, this particular study found that rewarding had a very minimal effect, and that punishing actually has a negative effect on getting the puppy house trained. Um, It's a really interesting thing. And we think it's because it's a bodily function. You know, as as you know, we're able to train so many behaviors just based on well-timed rewards. And I do think it's helpful in potty training, but I think it's important to know that the that the major the major lever to pull when it comes to house training is all about just making sure the pup gets to the right surface. I believe that if we punish a pup, even just verbally correcting a pup when he goes potty in the wrong place, I don't mm-hmm. believe that he understands that he went in the wrong place. I honestly think that he thinks that it just makes people angry to be, to be seen going potty. Oh, I've had so many clients wow. come in and tell me that their dog will not potty on a walk. Yeah. And when I kind of peel back the layers of the onion and find out a little more history on the pup. Often they tell me that, oh yes, they scolded him when he pottied inside. And I find that puppy often grows into a pup that either won't potty on walks because he's afraid to potty near his human or the pup that still has accidents in the house, but he makes it a point to go in the back bedroom or the formal dining room or wherever his people aren't. So we don't want a pup that's going to go hide to go potty. So really just getting him on that right surface is the way to go. And um, then I'd maybe- also like to mention 
Go ahead, go ahead, Murray. Oh, I love pot. I'd also talk, like so. to mention. You know, oh yeah, I, I do too. I think it's just so important, right? And getting those yes. puppies established in their home, so important. Right. I can't talk about house training without mentioning that having a good indoor option is essential oh. for a lot of families, right? Okay. So many busy families where nobody's home during the day and those pups just cannot make it all day. So I really like having an indoor option as well. And okay. something that's becoming more and more prominent is the use of litter pans. Really? And I'm a big, yes, and I'm a big proponent of it. So Jane Killian with her puppy culture program, which is an excellent program. It's a DVD. A lot of the top breeders are now following her program. She really popularized this concept of using a litter pan. It's a large pan with just a very small amount of litter. There's a special litter that you can get at pet supply stores that's marketed for dogs. The reason that I like it better than a puppy potty pad is it's a very unique surface. The thing that we worry about with the puppy potty pads is it's a similar surface to other household surfaces, Mm -hmm. like your throw rug or the t-shirt your son left on the floor. Oh, good. Yeah. And now, especially that we know through studies that house training is all about habituation to surface, I really want to make sure that I'm choosing a surface that's not similar to other household surfaces. And so litter has that big advantage. And so um, with families that are going to be gone for several hours at a time, having the puppy in an exercise pen or playpen kind of arrangement where the litter pan is available, we're finding that puppies are pretty reliable on choosing the litter pan over the hard flooring, much like they would choose a potty pad. You know what? I'm laughing because I'm thinking of my cat, Casey, and all the felines around going, yeah, dogs, I come and took you this long (laughs) to figure out the bennies of a litter. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Now, I will say, it's not, not quite like a cat where you bring a new cat into your home, you can show him the litter pan and he's going to go seek it out. Right. The puppies aren't going to have that strong of an instinct to use them. But if they're confined in a very small area, like an exercise pen or a playpen would be, um, they're typically going to choose it. And I find that puppies do really well having grass or litter as their option. And if they get older and have more bladder control, you just remove the litter pan from the solution set. And they're going to be looking for that grass to potty on. I oh, man, I've learned a lot. I'm going to go run out and get a pup. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. I got my hands full right now. What's the 411 on the, uh, the canines you have at your home? Yes. So we've got three in our home right now. So we have an 11-year-old Australian shepherd named Rue. Uh-huh. And then we've got a rare breed. We have a Sholo Eats Quaintly. Um, short name for that is Sholo, typically known as the Mexican hairless. Uh, his name is Jax. He's a five-year-old. Jax and or then, Jax? Uh, Jax. Okay. Yeah. And then our puppy, who's um, just barely no longer a puppy, is our three-year-old Border Collie named Zeke. And he's my current competition dog. I uh, enjoy agility and do competitive agility with him. Nice, nice. If you could wave a wand and give some person that just got a pup a superpower to help that raise a great pup, what would that be? Well, I'd have to give them two superpowers. Okay, all <laughs> the right. The first one would be patience. You've got to have a superpower <laughs> of patience, right? Just like you do right. with children, with small human children. need that patience. And then the second one I would give would be a little bit of intellectual curiosity. Um, so going and doing the research and really understanding what's going on with that pup and the best way to raise them is going to pay off big time. And what do Rue and Jax and Zeke do to make your life better? Oh, my gosh. So just on a day-to-day basis, uh, the companionship they provide Um, They get me off the couch for sure and making sure that they're getting their walks and their training sessions. So they bring a a lot to our lives. And you want to, you're a grandma now, first time. This is your chance to tell our hundreds of thousands of people a little shout out. Oh my gosh. So yes, uh, four-month-old Vivian is uh, is my first grandchild and uh, really, really enjoying her and enjoying seeing the parallels between human development and human (laughs) development. There's actually quite a few. Really? I can just imagine. And quite a few skills needed. (laughs) 
<laughs> that same patience that I've developed with the puppies over the years you know, certainly comes into play when you're dealing with a with a human infant. But she's delightful. We're having a wonderful time. Well, you know, you may have another generation of uh, of uh, pet lovers in the family. I hope so. <laughs> And uh, folks, we've been speaking with Maureen Potten. She is the founder of What a Great Dog Training Center. I want you after the show to please go to whatagreatdog.com. It's a great site, but even more important, it's a great training center. This training center has been nationally recognized for its training. And I do know that you, you're big on keeping your team always educated on the latest training and you make it fun. And I personally thank you for helping me get Kona to become a great dog. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Just a thank you to, to you, Arden, and to your listeners. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. All right. Power to the pup. She's here to help you guys get a night's sleep. She gave us some really good tips and tricks. So if you're getting a pup from a shelter, a breeder, or a rescue group, I really encourage you to go check out What a Great Dog Training Center. And I thank you for all you do because life is so much better when there's a dog with you. And everybody at this time, I want to give a shout out to Mark Winner, our executive producer of the Pet Life Radio Network. He's got a few four-leggers in his house, too. And uh, I want you to go and check out all the shows on Pet Life Radio. We are the number one pet radio network on the planet. And until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.